You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 1st of February. Nikola Jokic is the MVP. The Jazz can't stop the Nuggets. A historic shooting night ends the win streak. Any concern for what we saw from the Jazz? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. All right, the Jazz win streak ends at 11. We are brilliant Friday against Dallas, and Denver was brilliant against us last night, shooting 54% from the field, 64% from three. An offensive rating last night of a 132. We didn't force any turnovers. We didn't get them to miss, and they ran away from us early. It was a historic shooting night by Denver last night. No team has ever made eight threes in a quarter without missing. That uh, On a quick scan from the Utah Jazz PR staff, Danny Franks, nice enough to do that for us. Uh, no team has ever made 15 threes and a half in, that, in 17 attempts. The previous best was 22 attempts. It's the same record actually for 16 threes, 22 attempts, but the best... Three-point first quarter and first half shooting ever, 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 ever. Like, just put that in context. Not like this year, not like ever. Historic, historic shooting night last night by the Denver Nuggets. And that, I think, is the most, you know, that, that really, the sign there might be is that's what it takes to beat us right now. Is that kind of performance. At least I think you can take that as a pretty clear sign of what it takes to beat us. Denver had a historic, historic shooting game. But on the other end, I would say you have to be there are some aspects of concern here. And quite simply, like, we can't stop Denver. And I'll dig into that a little bit. But the big takeaway today is, in our 11-game win streak and what we've been doing where we take 40% of our shots as threes, we did that again last night, and we make 40%, which we did again last night, the math to beat us gets incredibly difficult. And our offense is just rolling. Like, there's, it's only a matter of time, I think, before, unless unless we can't catch Brooklyn, who clearly at 149 points a game is on a different planet last night, uh, and they lose. Our offense is just rolling. And we're now... 20 games into a 72-game season, or just even if it's a regular season, we're 25% of the way through the season. Some of the sample size stuff here is beginning to get large enough to decide that it's real. 
And some of it is also large enough that it really, even if it becomes a little unreal, from an overall standpoint, it's going to be hard. Like the numbers aren't moving a ton here for an extended period of time. And so what I'm getting at is the Jazz three-point shooting stuff that we're watching, they're taking the most threes in non-blowout time of anyone in the NBA, 45.3% of the shots are threes. The next closest is Toronto at 43.3, then Portland 43, Miami at 42. This is actually the three-point revolution. There have only been five teams in the history of the NBA who've ever taken 40% of their shots as threes. There's seven doing it right now. No one's ever, I don't, we'll have to go look. Houston would be the only one who's ever taken 45%, which we are. Nobody has ever done it while shooting above league average. So last year's Denver Nugget team, or excuse me, last year's Dallas Maverick team shot 42.4% of their shots as threes. League average was 36%. They shot 37. So they were they were above league average. So someone's done it shooting above league average by, by 0.3 points. This year, the league average is a little higher. It's up at 37% shooting. People are making the three. The revolution is just beginning, by the way. But here we are making 40.6% of our threes in non-blowout time. Third best in the NBA behind the Clippers in Brooklyn. Now, I don't think we can hold the 40%, but we're awfully close. We're three and a half percentage points better than anyone else who's ever taken 40% of their shots as threes. And the math to beat us is really, really hard if we're taking 40% of our shots as threes and making 40% of them. It takes someone having 132 offensive rating. We've lost five times this year. Brooklyn had a 123 offensive rating. New York had a 115. Phoenix did, and Minnesota, we just weren't good yet. And Denver had a 132. You got to get really hot to beat us. Because our offensive rating, we're rolling right now, but 121, 122, 120, 119, 117, 124, 121 last night. The league average is about 110, 111. We've been over 120 eight, nine times since, eight times in the streak, nine times since we beat San Antonio. By the way, our shooting night against San Antonio was probably better than Denver's shooting night. So you get both sides of these. The problem with Denver is Jokic is unguardable. He's just incredible. He's truly I don't know what you're supposed to do with him. The Jazz tried something. They have not. Uh, they they have not been able to to really stop Jokic at all. So they tried something new last night. They started the game with Boyan Bogdanovich guarding Jokic. I think Jamal Murray and Mike Conley were kind of on Jamal Murray, or Royce O'Neal and Jamal and Mike Conley were on, on Jamal Murray. And the idea there was to have Gobert on Millsap and have him hover around the basket, keep Jokic away from the rim, keep Jokic on the outside, be able to come over and bother him. It's the same thing they did to Luka. They've done it a few times this year. It's really worked pretty well. The premise on this 
is that what teams have been able to do that have caused us the most difficulty is pull Rudy out of the middle and then drive one-on-one on our guys. And we don't guard our yard very well. This is this is the weakness we have. So Quinn and the staff have tried to do everything they can to keep Rudy in the middle. And the latest version of that was instead of having Rudy in the pick and roll with Jokic, where then Jokic pops, to have Bogdanovich guard Jokic and have Rudy hover. And it didn't work. Rudy was late coming over on one of the early drives. Jokic was just too big and too strong. Jokic got rolling, and Jokic killed us. Now, Jokic also had 30 points, 14 rebounds, and four assists last time we saw him in the playoffs. In the last game, he had 22, 4, and 9. He had 31, 6, and 4. He had 29, 7, and 6. He had 28, 11, and 6. He had 29, 10, and 3. It's not like our other system was actually slowing him down. It was better, and it's probably what we go back to, but it was an effort to try something, and it didn't work. Great. I actually think that's exactly what you got to do in the preseason. You'd far better have that happen to us in the preseason than have it suddenly happen in the in the postseason where you suddenly try this because and you didn't try it during the regular season and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap. Jokic is on a different planet. The last night out before that, he had 35, 10, and 5. A few nights ago against Phoenix, he had 29, 22, and 6. Like he's on a different planet right now. He, he is, Denver's gotten hot. Denver's about to click in. Against us last time, by the way, had 34, 14, and 9. In the last eight games, Jokic is averaging 31 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, two steals, and a block, shooting 58% from the field and 40% from three. He's the best player in the NBA right now, and he's not guardable. And it's a real problem for us. I'll dig in. We really can't guard Denver. I'll dig into it in a minute. What I noticed last night is that when you look at Rudy Gobert against Jokic over the years, the one thing is that Jokic has struggled shooting the three when Gobert's on the floor. Last night, he just shot over the top of Derek Favors like he didn't even exist. The difference in size between those two between go is is you is enough that that's the defensive impact that you can have on Jokic. But if you look at this and go back to like last year, when Gobert's on the floor and Jokic is on the floor together, Jokic shoots thirty percent from three in the regular season. If you go back to the 2018-19 season, Jokic shoots 9% from three when Gobert's on the floor. You go to the playoffs, Jokic adjusts and gets a little bit better at it. And in the playoffs, Jokic shoots 48% from three. So there's a reason to say like, okay, Jokic has adjusted to this. But yesterday... He just shot right over the top of favors. He wasn't bothered by Derek in any way, shape, or form. And that's the one thing that jumped out at me on that matchup on Jokic. And, and I don't know what you do about that because it's just it showed me really frankly that you need you need Gobert 
to just deal with Jokic. But then we watched Jokic do stuff that, you know, he hasn't always done, which is he took the ball out on the right wing on the open floor, drove at Rudy, and was able to put it up and in on two really tough looks that I think you just have to deal with. But his footwork is just incredible. He can put it on the deck at seven feet tall. He's got excellent footwork. He never loses balance. He can shoot the three right now at an electric rate. We just talked about it. He's nine of his last six, 15 from three. He gets to the line. Is If you start bringing help, he's going to dish it to everyone. He's the best passer in the game. He's unguardable. He's absolutely unguardable. And it's a problem for the Jazz. BetOnline.ag brings you locked on bets each and every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is your 15-minute quick-hitting fun gambling show with Super Bowl props every single day this week on the program, hosted by your boy Q, who will become your favorite quickly with handicapper Lee Sterling, who becomes your favorite when he wins. And you can get it all at betonline.ag for your get in the action with the promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. So you got the Super Bowl this week. You got college game, basketball games. You got the NBA going plus the NHL. And they're really good on the uh, MMA stuff as well. So Tune into Lockdown Bets, entertaining, fun, and gives you the insight you need. And then go to betonline.ag to get involved with a 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag for your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked On. And the guys over at betonline.ag are having a ton of fun. Length of na- all the traditionals, length of national anthem is out there, as always. Uh, various who shows up where. Uh, fun line. So if you want to do some fun stuff, if you're looking for something for your Super Bowl, uh, to, to sparse it up with your buddies, whether you're Zooming or, or, or getting together in a safe, socially distanced manner, whatever you're doing uh, for your various uh, partaking of the Super Bowl this in a pan- global pandemic, betonline.ag will give you some of the fun lines, get it out there and, ha- and give you a good time with it. So go to betonline.ag, promo code LOCKED. On. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Chevy, my good friends over in Woods Cross, also up in Logan. The Murdoch family's been in Utah for the last 90 years, and now Chevy is Americana and bringing you incredible deals right now with Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy's got it all going on. Uh, Equinox is the SUV, part of the SUV lineup that's really, really solid, plus the new Blazer. But when you're talking trucks, you're talking Chevy. The Silverado is just outstanding. $7,200 or $7,250 total allowance right now between total cash and GM bonus earnings for you when you buy a Silverado. The Colorado's the smaller truck. It's absolutely terrific. All taking place at Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Auto Group, 90 years in Utah connected with the community and the Chevy is Americana. Go check it out at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross and in Logan. All right. Here's our defensive problem that exists with Denver. By the way, have you caught locked on today yet? Love it. Daily quick 20 minute show. Give you everything you need in the sports world. If you're busy, got kids, got all that stuff going on. Don't get to follow it quite the way you want to. You'll love it. All right. Here's our problem. We can't guard Denver. So, so far this year, 
First game against Denver was our 17th out of 20 defensive ranking, which wasn't bad. It was a 112.2. It wasn't bad. We'd just been really good defensively all year, except for the only nights that were worse were New York and Brooklyn. And then last night was our worst defensive night of the year, statistically. Now, they also had a historic shooting night, but it was our worst. Like It is what it is. By the way, the other one that's kind of crazy here is, so we've lost five games this year. Our defensive ratings in our losses are... 14th, 15th, 16th we won, 17th we beat Denver by three, 18th, 19th, and 20th. Like, if our defense is at all good, our offense is so good, we just win. Really, the point is, there's nothing about yesterday that changes how you feel about the Jazz, or should. But Denver's really, really good, and we don't, we have a hard time with them. Last year, we played 79 games. Our defensive ratings in games against Denver were our worst, our second worst, so 79-78. Our, our 73rd, so that's our sixth worst. Our 68th, that's our 11th worst. Our 53rd, oh wait, our 60th, our 53rd, right? Like So that's six games against Denver, five games against Denver last night, last year, which were in our worst 25 defensive games of the season. We also had our fourth best defensive game all year in game seven. One of our bubble playoff games was our eighth best. The game where they didn't have any of their players was 23rd and the other one was 47th. But we really have a hard time stopping them. And I'm not sure that that's changing anytime soon. I think if we play Denver in the playoffs again, it's going to have to be a seven-game shootout where hopefully our offense is just good enough. And it might be. Like, as we just talked about earlier, some of the stuff I just showed you, like, if we're really taking 40% of our threes and we're really making 40% of them, it's really hard to beat us. There are, right as of right now, non-blowout time, so that's cleaning the glass. The Lakers were the fourth best offense in the NBA. Milwaukee and Brooklyn were right there. We could go catch them. The Clippers are a little bit better than everybody else. The Clippers in Brooklyn are shooting astronomically well. Might come down a little bit. Otherwise, we're not doing a whole lot that's crazy. We're kind of shooting where I think we're going to shoot for the year. We're three percentage points above league average. That's about right. Den- the Clippers are, are about four points above league average. Brooklyn is about five. It seems a little high, but Brooklyn might be the best shooting team we've ever seen. It's definitely the best ISO team in the history of the game. So when you look at some of the the aspect with Denver. Here's some other things to that game. One is Denver took away our second pass. It really was interesting. Mike Malone pregame said what they do is they drive, they kick, the first pass bends you, the second pass breaks you. And I thought that they really took away the second pass. In, In turn, we ended up taking 18 corner threes, which is an astronomically high number. And so our, our shot area and our shot distribution was actually pretty good last night. But it was interesting. So Denver took a different defensive strategy than we've seen. They, they overshifted from the from the wing, took away the roll. We, in our last game against Denver, we only got 18 shots at the rim. And last night, we only got 10 shots at the rim the entire game. So that's a little, like their defensive strategy against us is they literally just crash from the weak side corner, take away the rim, and then, 
and then they and then we rotated out to the corner and we got actually 19 officially corner threes last night. Now maybe some of them came in blowout time. I don't know. It's by far the most of the season. We had 13 against them last time. They're just going to give up the corner three for us, which is probably fine because we shoot 40% on the corner three. We shot against Deb so far. We've shot well. So if you're making that trade, it's it's a pretty good trade. It's actually still, though, they're right. Our shooting percentage at the rim it is about the exact same as 40% on a corner three. So for us, that's a little bit of a give and take. Most teams, that's not. I think that what you... But you you gotta you'd like to shoot more than ten shots at the rim. So they do a nice job of bending our shot chart. And they went and and took away those shots. We also did not get into transition as much, and we're sliding a little bit of how often we're getting in transition. We're running early in games. We have a very high percentage of our points in the first quarter, and then it drops quarter by quarter where we're getting our fast break points. That one's Worth keeping an eye on a little bit. Denver's half-court offense yesterday was as in the 99th percentile as good as anyone in the NBA all season long. Um, They just, Jokic was just great. They took 44 mid-range shots and made 20 of them, which is a little higher than league average. So we actually, they only got 13 shots at the rim against us. We, we actually did most of the stuff, right? They went 18 of 26 and three. That's like, it really just comes down to, they had the best three-point shooting night of anyone all year and one of the best shooting nights of anyone ever in the history of the NBA and they beat us by 11, right? So, you know, all of a sudden they go 15 of 26, which is amazing. And it's a two-point game. You know, so if they only shoot 58% from three, it's a two-point game. If they only shoot 50% from three, we win. In theory. I'm not sure that's totally accurate, but you got the concept. I, there's nothing about that game against Denver that tells me that we're not as good as we are. Here's the, here's the fear. Let's just be honest about it. The fear is that we're one of the four best teams in the NBA. The problem is the other three are... I mean, I, I don't think there's any question we're one of the four best teams in the NBA. The problem is that the other three might be better and they're all in the West. We might be better than they are. We'll see. Last night certainly didn't prove to me that we're not. It just, that's the fear, right? The Clippers are the number one offense in the NBA. The Lakers are the number one defense in the NBA. And Denver's got the best player in the league. That's a real pain in the ass. So we'll see. I mean, frankly, Donovan wasn't very good last night and Rudy wasn't either. Rudy, Jokic was rolling by the time Rudy guarded him. I'm not sure that last night's a great indicator of that. I know that Twitter is loving it because somehow that's like their favorite thing. But the fact of the matter is that last night when Rudy was guarding Jokic, by the time Rudy was guarding Jokic, it, it wasn't happening until pretty late in that ballgame. It was late first quarter. Jokic was already rolling. He started on Boyan, then he torched Favors, then he torched Rudy. I mean, these are not... Um, these are not... I don't know what the phrase... Are. I mean, it's not like... It just seems to be everybody's fun little thing to decide that Rudy can't guard Jokic. Nobody can guard Jokic. Jokic last night, by the way, or so far in two games this year, Jokic has shot 13 of 22 and guarded by Rudy, four of seven from three. That's 
unbelievable. Because t- players shoot below 40% when guarded by Rudy. He's shooting 59. When guarded by Favors, he's shooting 11 of 16 for 69% and 3 of 3 from 3. So Rudy's doing the best job on him. Royce's 3 of 5. Boyan, he ended up 1 of 1. The I don't have the ability to pull just last game. Uh, wait a sec. I do indirectly let's do let me see if i get it no i do not did not work okay all right uh monday's trends day we'll look at what the trends are around the league here in just one second as we continue today's show is brought to you by our friends over at built bar protein bar candy bar you decide. What's your favorite Bilt Bar flavor? I like them frozen. Some of the people on the staff are actually microwaving them and making them into goo. Or you can just have them as they are. With their 100% real chocolate, it doesn't matter which way you have them. They're absolutely f- fabulous. And with the promo code locked on, you get 25% off. Unbelievably healthy and ridiculously delicious. Whether it's raspberry, orange, caramel, brownie, all of them with 100% chocolate. The coconut almonds like an almond joy. Peanut butter brownie wins most of the chocolate, uh, the nut taste test. It is Built Bar with 120 fewer calories, three and a half fat grams less, 35 net carbs less, 17 sugar grams less than the average leading men's bar, and seven grams of more protein. It doesn't get any better than BuiltBar.com. It is out. The episode here is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, in Forbes. 1010 is the exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. When they're gone, they're gone. We all know that a diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to make a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day. You're definitely going to want to check it out. And this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is available only and exclusively at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Locked on NBA, your daily podcast for everything going on in the NBA. Josh Lloyd today hosts it with the biggest stories across the league so check it out it's one of my favorite episodes locked on today as well for you all right time for our monday trends look we always look at it in two fashions the last two weeks and then the last 10 games they're similar but they're a little different and with covid they seem to have more importance by the way dame lillard scores five points in the last 10 seconds last night or two nights ago, teams were nine and two thousand or twenty three thousand four hundred and ninety eight. Nine and twenty three thousand four hundred and ninety eight in those circumstances. All right, here are the five, or I always like to do six because six out of thirty is one fifth, which one fifth is twenty percent, so it kind of tells you more. Here are the six hottest teams in the NBA. The Jazz are by far number one. The Clippers are number two. 
Memphis, impressively, is number three, though. They've only played two games in the last two weeks. That's why the 10 games is going to be important also. Denver is number four. Houston has won five of their last seven in his number five. This is exactly why we do this segment, because I don't think we all realize that. Houston's defense over the last two weeks in the NBA is number one in the NBA. Hey, no James Harden. Looks what happens. Maybe Steven Silas can really coach too. Boston is six, really tied with Philadelphia. So they're worth reference. So the six hottest teams in the league are Utah, the Clippers, Memphis, Denver, Houston, Boston. The best offense in the NBA is the Jazz over the last two weeks. 127, Brooklyn 123, Memphis 119, Denver 119, Milwaukee 119, and Portland. Wow, that's incredible. Portland's doing that. Best defenses in the NBA, Houston, Clippers, Phoenix, Lakers, Utah, and Atlanta. That's amazing with Trey Young. Struggling to score. The teams that are the worst teams in the league right now are Washington, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Dallas. New Orleans, don't play us. You'll end up on this list. And Miami. The worst offenses over the last two weeks are Minnesota. They really can't score without Carl Anthony Towns. Miami, no Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero. Orlando, no Markel Fultz, no, like they've had injuries. Washington, great win for them last night in a crazy game. Phoenix and Detroit. Not Phoenix, it's interesting. Seven games, 26 in the league offensively, third defensively. Phoenix, it's not quite what everyone thought they were going to be. The worst defense in the league is Portland. Not surprising at all. Yurkic injury is a crusher for them. Dallas, Oklahoma City, New Orleans. Don't play us. You'll end up on this list. Washington and Milwaukee is 25th in the league defensively over the last two weeks and six games. All right, let's go to a little deeper trend. Last 10 games, so that's half the season with the way that the league sits right now. Over the last 10 games, the number one offense is Brooklyn, then the Jazz, then the Clippers. Actually, let's do overall. Best team in the league over the last 10 games is the Clippers. The differential is 15.1. They are great. Then Utah, then the pretty big drop to the Lakers, the 76ers, Denver, and Milwaukee. It's probably the six best teams in the league until Brooklyn plays defense. Right? Four West, that's kind of what we said. Best offense is Brooklyn. Utah, Clippers, all at about 119. Milwaukee, Denver, Philadelphia. Same six. They're the best offenses with Brooklyn there. Best defenses in the NBA over the last 10 games. Memphis, Houston, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Warriors. Teams really struggling. Miami, Orlando, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, and Minnesota over the last 10 games. Miami's the worst team in the NBA over the last 10 games. They are, they've really been crippled by everything. Defensively or offensively, teams struggling to score again. Minnesota, Miami, Orlando, Cleveland, Houston, and Memphis. Defensively, the teams that don't defend are Marvin Bagley, I mean the Kings, New Orleans, Brooklyn, Dallas, Washington, Oklahoma City not defending, just probably don't have the talent. So that's our trends list. Every... Tomorrow, we'll look at power rankings, see if one loss changes where people put the Jazz. Wednesdays, our Quinn Snyder rundown. Thursdays, our live show. And Friday is our points game Friday, or we might do question and answer of some sort because I'm not sure we do that every week. It's all coming up this week on Locked on Jazz. 
right now. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked On today. Have a great one.